fadeaway with a hand in his face in the air for the win! Yes, It fly and Carl Anthony Towns drills it at the buzzer. A catastrophic finish for the Grizzlies. Welcome to the Everything's Coming Up Timberwolves podcast. Your home for the best Wolves talk around. Wiggins spots up there, deep threes, got it. He scores it at the buzzer to give the Timberwolves the victory. Welcome in to another Everything's Coming Up Timberwolves podcast episode. My name is Gabe Anderson, joined as always by Chris Emerson. Chris, how you doing? Optimistic as always. Absolutely. Absolutely. And this week, um, we have a guest with us this time, Donifer Shrupp. Donifer, he joined us earlier uh, in an earlier episode, but he's back this week. How you doing, Donifer? Oh, just enjoying, just enjoying life. Great time for basketball fans. Absolutely. Absolutely. So uh, we got to talk about it. Um, Timberwolves, like we said, we were, we thought, uh, we predicted that the Timberwolves would get zero wins this week. We didn't think there was a single win in, in the week ahead for them, but not only did they get one, they ended up with two wins this week. And I think we got to start with it. What an amazing performance from not only um, Anthony Edwards but also Carl Anthony Towns on Thursday night. Chris, what, what, what? I mean, just it seemed like everything is clicking, didn't did it not? I mean, the crazy thing is, is you know, for the for a while there, it wasn't even really clicking for him. Um, I mean, I know that you know he he left some layups on the board he he went 0 for 7 i know for one stretch of 3 during that run so like it's not out of the question that he could have easily had 50 i mean this kid's got um i don't know i mean it's what i've been saying all along though like he i feel like he takes the same shot he has the same confidence with every single shot it just sometimes they go in and sometimes they don't you know and when they go in he's going to drop 40 and right now when they don't you know he might you know go two for 25 you know like mm-hmm. um once he gets his shot dialed in a little bit more and like he said um he puts the time in in the gym i i believe that it's going to happen and he's going to be a next level type player. I mean, the kid's a star, and yeah. I think he's going to be accepted in the in the star fraternity um, quicker than some of these young players because he's so likable. Like when you see him on the court, guys, you know, are joking with him at the free throw line, or like like how we saw um, Covington give him a little tip about how to how to play or how to how to do a certain thing here and there um, during the game, like. I think he's going to be accepted in the star fraternity, and uh, it's going to be something that Minnesota is going to be able to build around for a while. Mm-hmm. And Donovan, what did you think of uh, of Anthony Edwards' performance? He's just so much fun to watch, especially now that he's starting to let the game come to him a little bit more. He's not forcing his shot as much. I mean, granted, he takes a lot of shots, but he's getting a lot better looks at the basket, and it's just been – just a joy to watch. I can't wait to see what he does when he has a full off season to actually work and is not coming in with what a month and a half after he got drafted. Right. Yeah. And also what we, what we got to remember here and Chris, I'll get to you in a second, but what we got to remember here is he's only 19 years old. Like this is not a finished product whatsoever. And just to see him, honestly, if he puts up the numbers that he does, I don't care how many shots he takes. Like, honestly, Chris, what were you going to add? So like, like Donovan said, like when he has an off season and what's going to be crazy is to see what Finch does with an off season. So, I mean, we're all sort of guessing because Finch has been so, um, I would say inventive with the types of offenses he's done. Like he went from, from the the G League team in Houston where they were shooting nothing but three-pointers and layups to the point where, like, literally you were not allowed to shoot anything else because they were testing out, like, a strategy, and it it worked. Um, To when he was in New Orleans when they were having, you know, big, big pick and roll with Cousins and and AD. 
Um, one thing that he mentioned or, or that someone mentioned, I don't know if it was him or, or somebody in the beginning, they said what he likes to do is he, he doesn't do pick and rolls hardly at all. And what he likes to do is um, two-man game, like on the wing. So mm -hmm. it'll be like Cat running like a little in-and-out action, little like, you know, action with one of the wings uh, to see if they can get a mismatch or something working. And if that doesn't work, maybe kick it to the other ring where, you know, D'Lo will be there. It's just going to be exciting to see how everything works and, and pieces together. I just can't wait. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, and I honestly, as good as um, um, Anthony Edwards was in the first game against the Suns, Carl Anthony Towns was equally as good. I mean, that night, it felt like every single move that he made or every single play he made was the right play. I mean, he looked, he looked, he, he looked like an MVP. Now I know his numbers aren't there, but that night particularly, he looked like an MVP candidate. At least, um, so something that I, I want to bring up, and I'll ask you guys this. So I, I was looking at the box score from from last night, and I noticed that Carl Anthony Towns he led the team in scoring, yes, but he only took twelve shots. Now, now he, here's my question: Is this team slowly becoming um, Anthony Edwards' team? Or is this still Carl Anthony Towns' team? And I'll start with you, Donovan. What do you, what do you think? I think uh, right now it's it's definitely Carl's team. They're trying to run the offense through him as much as they possibly can. I think it's just a little bit easier to get yours as a guard than it is mm -hmm. as a big man. Uh, I think Carl and – where was that? I think it was on the Dane Moore podcast. He was talking about that today. Carl was talking about always trying to make the right play. I think Dane Moore brought up why he doesn't shoot like five step back threes a game because he can get them whenever he wants. And Carl was talking about, yeah, it's nice to score, but I'm always trying to make the right play. So I mm -hmm. feel like that's why he's a little, a little more hesitant to just jack up shots, even though a bad shot from cat is better than sometimes an open look from like a, a Kogi at the three-point line. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we, we don't want Josh Okogie uh, shooting. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, Chris, what do, you, what do you think? Should Cat be shooting a little more, or or are you okay with him being like a 9-for-12 like a kind of night? So we talked about this the other uh, podcast ago um, about, like, will he be able to be the guy that, like, takes over? And I mentioned kind of like right. Donovan said, like, in the fourth quarter, it's hard um to get the ball to a big sometimes it's easier to take away a big than like you mm -hmm. said to guard when it comes up um the thing with cat and, and the thing that's made him so dominant is his efficiency like throughout his whole career he's the guy that's going to be 12 of 15 you know 15 of 18 and i think that there, there's certain players where that is their biggest asset like Early on with Kevin Love, and it, I feel the same way about Zion right now. Um, what I loved about early Kevin Love and Zion is that those two guys will get you 20 points and 10 – well, not rebounds for Zion, but 20, 20 and 10, and you don't really have to run a play for them. You know, like mm -hmm. it just comes to them naturally in the flow of the game. And that's kind of like Cat. Like Cat's going to – you're going to be like, well, damn, Cat hasn't done anything today. And then you look and he's got – you know, 24 and 13, and you're like, well, never mind. Like, that's a hell of a game, you know, and five assists. Mm -hmm. And I think if you can have a guy that can consistently get you those kind of numbers and that kind of production, and, and he isn't like a drain on your on your offense or isn't like taking anybody else out of their flow, I think there's almost more value to that than a guy that's like a, a you know, mass shoot score kind of guy. Mm-hmm. So I guess long story short, I love him. I I, I think keep doing that because when when we got D'Lo and and Edwards, um, we need a little bit of ying to his yang. So like the steadying of Cat and then the hammer. That's the steadying of Cat and D'Lo kind of slow plotting skill base, and then just the hammer that's Edwards. Mm -hmm. Well, and honestly, it's just going to get even easier for Cat once we get D'Lo and Beasley back, and honestly, easier for Ant as well uh, when they can stop either double-teaming Cat on his post-ups 
or like Phoenix did last game, just kind of pack the paint and make Ant go through two, three guys. And we have D'Lo and Beasley out there. I mean, that's just going to be knocked down or open lane all day. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. It's almost with the Timberwolves, for, for me personally, I almost wish that when we get D'Lo and Beasley back, I wish that this current season could just end and we just go forward to next season. Like, like we're, we're such a next season. Like we, we have so much potential for next season and maybe some of the trades that maybe we'll do at the trade deadline, which we'll talk about in a little bit. I know the last two or three weeks we've been talking about um, the potential of Aaron Gordon, the potential of John Collins, but just, just the front, a front court of D'Lo and Beasley um, and then, or a back court of D'Lo and Beasley. Uh, and then, and then you add on their aunt and then you add on their Carl uh, Anthony talent. It's just exciting. I think it's the first time in a long time that we've had something to really be excited about. So the Minnesota Timberwolves, they are three and three since the all-star break, which I mean, considering some of the teams they played isn't half bad. I, and considering what the team we are, <laughs> isn't that bad. So what have you guys seen out of Chris Finch? Um, kind of him implementing his plans, kind of new things that he's put in that, that has led to some success. And we'll start with you, Donover. What have you seen out of Chris Finch that, that you've liked so far? Well, honestly, going into the break and just getting routed by the Hornets, I was thinking to myself, there's what way do the Timberwolves have out if they don't get the pick? Like, what's what's the ascension here? And since the All-Star break, it, like, complete 180 on that. Uh, after he implemented his system, is like a breath of fresh air for them. Uh, bringing Cat up and challenging those screens more has really completely changed the defense. Like, And I don't know about you guys, but I, it feels like you see – better unity with the defense if one guy's going to the wing somebody has him on the corner i feel like that wasn't something we saw very often with saunders and offensively he's completely unlocked ant and -hmm. that's the biggest step for this franchise i think that we can say running the offense through cats worked really well so far i i just can't wait till we get d'lo and beasley back and we can make teams pay for trying to focus on those two that Mm -hmm. that horn set he kept running at the phoenix game Awesome. I feel like the difference with him and Saunders is Finch will just keep riding what's working and he'll just keep pounding it and pounding it until you stop it. And I feel like Saunders would almost would just get in his own way. Like you'd see like Noel would hit a couple of shots and then like half a minute later, he's out of the game. Like mm-hmm. Finch is totally content with ditching all his plans and just riding the hot hand that night. Right. Absolutely. And, and one thing I wanted to bring up on Finch and then we'll go to you, Chris. The play that he drew up on that out-of-bounds play when the Wolves were up three to get a wide-open Wancho on a dunk, like that was the best and I, that was the best out-of-bounds play I've seen drawn up by a Timberwolves coach in years, maybe ever. Like that and they, was – yeah, go and ahead. They ex- and they executed it. They did. They did. I, I, I was freaking out. I was like, oh, no, Ant's not open. Towns isn't open. And then, oh, Wancho's wide open for a dunk. I mean, it was just – it was perfect. That was honestly the, that Suns game, the best game of the year so far. Like that, that was. I don't know if it's going to get better than that the entire year. But Chris, what if what have you kind of seen out of uh, Chris Finch since the All Star break or since he's been able to really implement his plan? Well, kind of like you mentioned with Wancho there. The crazy thing about that happening was supposedly he didn't know who he was going to close with at the four, um, and kind of what Donovan said, uh, Wancho hit two threes in a row. Um, and then all of a sudden he's like, well, I guess that we'll, we'll close with Wancho, you know, like, cause <laughs> he's hot right now, you know, like, and he's hustling, like Wancho has been hustling. He's actually been playing better on D than, than mm-hmm. on offense. But so the thing about Finch is, um, and, and he said this early when they're like, well, you know, are you going to, what are you going to try to implement? And he said, I'm actually going to try to take out more than put in. Um, and one thing that he said is he has on offense, he wants he wants the players to have a lot of freedom with mm-hmm. some bumpers. So he he mentioned in an interview once, I forget when it was fairly early, that he said, especially with young players, he wants them to play instinctively, which everyone likes to say, but he's like, 
when you get the uh, it, he made it sound like when you get the ball in this spot, if the defender does this, you do that. If the defender does that, you do this. Like just those two things. Like so, you don't have to think too much. You just react off what happens, and that's what you know. That's what Edwards has been doing, and and, he, and Edwards plays best that way. Like he's mentioned it quite a few times, and people are like, you know, coach wants you to drive more, blah blah blah. And he, in his interviews, he's like. You know, I'm gonna if they step up on me, I'm gonna drive. If they step back, I'm gonna shoot. Like he just keeps it. He, I'll take what they give me. But mm-hmm. what's most staggering is what we're doing on defense. Like, I mean, this I don't know. I mean, everyone wanted Vander Vander or Vander. Uh, man, I can't think of his name now. The coach, uh, Vanderpool. Yeah, Vanderpool. Vanderpool. Yeah, as his defensive guy and. His model the whole year was, uh, and you've heard it many times, was good enough is all right or something like that. Solid and that's enough. a, yeah, and that's a crap ass. <laughs> I mean, that's a crap model, you know. Like, <laughs> like no, you want better than that. And the first thing he did was, we've got so many athletes and long athletes, and he has them playing in space. He has them almost just baiting every pass and jumping the pass, and that's been almost. What I think's helped the most is with Anthony Edwards with that. Like Anthony Edwards is an all-world monkey in a middle player. Like I don't know how many steals I've seen him where the guy's trying to throw it over his head and all of a sudden he just jumps up and grabs it. Like he's mm-hmm. he's jumped up and intercepted so many passes that are going over his head or thought to be going over his head. Like he's just active. We've had so much active hands. Like we had what twenty-two turnovers on the Suns and they're one of the top teams and not turning it over. Like we're getting our hands on balls. We're, we're, like you said, we're switching like on the perimeter when a guy's, you know, come like just even dribbling around the perimeter, we hand them off. Um, It just looks fun. You know, it looks like our, our players are having fun. They're not thinking and they're just reacting. Um, Mm -hmm. It's been, it's been great. You know, and And, and like, yeah, like you said, it only gets better. I mean, look no further than the post-game interview with Anthony Edwards after that Phoenix Suns game. Like, he had a huge smile on his face, and he, he was basically saying, we're, we're, starting to, we're, we're starting to play together. We're, we're starting to think – basically what he said was, things are good if they're winning. So, I mean, I think winning cures all ills. And, Chris, you had some? If you're not watching the post-game interviews with Anthony Edwards, like, if you – if you don't have that on YouTube as a favorite, the Timberwolves, and if you don't watch every single interview he does pregame or postgame, you are you need to reevaluate yourself as a sports fan. He is the best interview in all of sports. I mean, yeah, in all of sports. He's he's dead honest. Um, he's playful, he's fun, um, he's charismatic, like he is going to take Minnesota by storm once the Timberwolves start winning. I mean, they're going to – I've mentioned this before. I'm dating myself a little bit, um, and I was even too young for this, but he's got that Kirby Puckett kind of um, charisma where he's going to have farmers love him. He's going to have suburban housewives <laughs> love him. Like I showed my wife an interview with Anthony Edwards, and she knows nothing about sports in general, and she's like, uh-oh. This kid is cute. He's got charisma. Like he's gonna go somewhere. You know, you can just mm-hmm. see it. And I, I think it's. I think he has a lot of. I think he has a lot of the tendencies. I mean, other than the young part, I think he has a lot of the same attributes as like Jimmy Butler had when he first came to Minnesota. Like you, you saw him like messing around, like in a canoe and stuff like that, and falling in the water and people loved his personality. And there's all the memes of like his face and stuff like that. I feel like they personality wise, they share a lot of the same, but uh, what Anthony Edwards has going for him is he's young. He's, he's a 19 year old people remember back when they were 19 and just naive and, and full of fun and full of life. So yeah. Also we got to mention Marnie Gellner, Completely cut him off on that post. Like, what are you doing, Marty? Like, for she real. apologized. Yeah, I know, but still. Like. I guess, I guess the video went out and the audio went out on her. So on her end, all of a sudden, it just went blank. So she was like, "Uh, okay, gotta go." Oh, okay. But yeah, it oh, looked, okay. it was very suspect looking. 
I know. And also, the bad thing was, I wanted to hear the end of that story. Like yeah. he was talking about, like how how he had just seen LeBron and he and Cat had talked about how LeBron's like a leader and stuff like that. And how they want to do that. I'm like, yes, this is exactly what I want to hear right now. But yeah. I don't know. And I I like Marnie. Like nothing against Marnie. Like she she's great. The Wolves Plus podcast that she does is great. Um, he was great on that. I remember that was kind of the first taste of Anthony Edwards was when he was on that podcast. And that was awesome. So, uh, so one player who is actually starting to play pretty well lately is, you know, maybe not in, in, um, well, he played well last night and then he played well in the Laker game as well. Ricky Rubio is starting to score a little bit. Now here's the question. Is this better for the Wolves? because it raises his trade value or is this better for the wolves because this is a piece that they can use moving forward and I'll start with you Donover what do you think is the future with Ricky Rubio and this team do you see him getting moved at the trade deadline or do you see him as a piece kind of uh moving forward um I think I think we'll have Ricky until at least the offseason I think that's the right time to talk about moving him um, just with everything Anthony Edwards has been saying about Ricky as a leader and how much he has to learn from Ricky, I think mm-hmm. it would just be a not great idea to ship him out at this point in time. And let's be honest, he probably has more value in the offseason than he does right now. People still remember the the terrible start he had to the season. And in the offseason, we're looking at an expiring contract then. Uh, but, man, he's been – Really, really nice lately. Finishing around the rim, which not very Ricky Rubio-like. We're getting the Ricky that we saw in Phoenix, that we saw in Utah. He's knocking down three, catch-and-shoot threes at an acceptable rate. This is the guy we thought we were getting all along. Mm-hmm. And it's been it's been fun to watch. Absolutely. Chris, anything to add on that? I mean, he nailed it. I mean, we've got – this is the son's Rubio. This is who Ricky Rubio is. I mean, it's – he right now he's playing like the player that you either hate or you love, you know, like he's, he's one of the most polarizing players in the whole NBA. I think there's multiple reasons why, but um, if taking some of those away and just going to his basketball game, um, you know, he's, he's who he is. This is who he is. And this is who he's always going to be. And I, I view him as a very valuable piece on the court. Um, especially when you have a team with like Anthony Edwards, Cat, and Beasley out there, or, or even with Dilo. Like you've got, you know, every person on the team doesn't need to score 20 points. And as a matter mm-hmm. of fact, some of them, you don't want to be shooting those shots. Like my Josh argument Kobe. with Rubio always was, yeah, he shoots, you know, a poor percentage, but he's shooting six shots. Like I'm right. fine with a guy shooting a poor, like going – two for two for five like I'm okay with that I'd way rather have that than a guy going 10 for 35 you know what I mean like (laughs) so that's fine with me but I think it's I think it's an off-season trade and um for many reasons one um you know we don't really need to win right now um right yeah and bringing in like uh like an Aaron Gordon who I think I still believe that's going to be the guy um bringing him in uh, I think would better our team dramatically at the four spot. And I don't think we really need that. I think we can develop who we have, let them get, you know, let the, this is a development year. Like almost everything has fallen in place for the Timberwolves this year. Like some people will look at it like everything has not. And I'll look at it the opposite way. Like every one of these guys that has been suspended or hurt has opened the door for a young guy who's stepped up and taken it from Nas to Jalen Noel, to McDaniels, to even J-Mac. Everyone steps down, and we've had a guy step up and has just raised the value for them in upcoming seasons. Um, okay. So if we can keep Rubio through the through this offseason, they'll have a full year, whoever gets him, has a full year of the exact leadership he's showing us, the exact leadership he showed the Suns and the Jazz. Um, team like the Magic would love that with Fultz, you know, and uh, Cole Anthony, how would you, I mean, two young point guards figuring out, add a Ricky Rubio in there, especially when Fultz isn't healthy yet in beginning of the year, like that'd be perfect. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, I think it helps his value. 
but I think it helps his value as an offseason trade. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And yeah, I, I totally agree. I, I mean, I could see the Wolves making a move at the trade deadline, but like you said, I think that's, um, that, that they'll wait till the off season on that note is the trade deadline is like a week away. Right. I believe like yeah. one Thursday. Five I think. days. Yeah. Five, five days. days. Do you, do you guys see the Wolves making any moves um, at the trade deadline? And uh, what, what kind of moves would you like to see them make? Not probably not huge moves. Um, you, what, what, what do you think? What do you think, Chris? Do you, do you see them making any, any moves at the trade deadline? Yeah, I think we will. Um, I think we'll make some moves, something like uh, minor moves. I, I think like I, I would I would really like to see Culver moved. Um and but mainly because in two years he's owed eight million dollars. Um we don't have cap space to have a, a non-functioning player on our team make anything more than three or four million right now. When you have guys making, mm-hmm. you know, up to max level that really waters down your ability to pay players and we can't have a guy like Culver out there. Um I also think Vanderbilt's going to be gone. Um he has seemed to fall out of the graces of coach Finch. I mean, he's had I think that Suns game, the big one, the first one, he played 5 minutes in the first quarter, the first 5 and then was out, first sub out, didn't touch the didn't touch the court for the whole half. Came in for the start of the third quarter for three minutes and was pulled out. So I think he played seven or eight minutes all game. Um, He just, I like him, you know, and he brings something, but um, (laughs) you know, I I don't think like if you're going to be a championship team, um, I think he's expendable. So I could see us moving him. Um, uh, You know, I could see us maybe even moving a Kogi, but I've got I don't know like I'm starting to almost believe in a Kogi again, um, <laughs> and it and part of it is just because he's such a good free throw shooter, and his stroke doesn't look broken. Um, he shot I forget what it was. He shot like mid thirty, mid thirty percentage in college. Like it's got to just be in his head, you know. Like he shot yeah he shot four. I think he shot like four, four or five three pointers a game in college, and at, at like thirty eight percent, like the shots there somewhere. It's just got to be a mental block. And if he can even be a decent corner three point shooter, as long as he takes a decent like five million dollar contract, he's worth it. But yeah, I see us moving, moving some pieces for guys like Beasley, guys like you know Vanderbilt, guys that are on the back of other people's benches that that Rosas has targeted and uh, maybe we can sneak out a player. Mm-hmm. Donovan, what, anything big, nothing big. Donovan, what, what do you think? What, what do you think? Do you think we'll make any moves at the uh, uh, trade deadline or stand pat? Uh, I think they'll make some smaller ulterior uh, alter- moves. Guys like Chris mentioned, I, I think they move Ed Davis as well. seems like mm-hmm. some teams have been calling about him. It's always a nice have a veteran big come off the bench, plays decent defense, sets good screens. Um, yeah, with the Vanderbilt take, I mean, he played eight minutes and he played five minutes, and I was I was curious what you guys thought. Was do you think that was matchup based, or I think it's just I, I think it's I mean I don't know, or or maybe maybe Finch has just seen what he had. Like, okay, we know what he is. Like, he's gonna hustle really hard on defense, mm-hmm. and he's gonna give you some putbacks and like maybe. But he, you know, he's not gonna do much more. It's very strange to me that he's not playing over Wancho, um, unless Wancho is being uh, showcased a little bit for a trade. Um, yeah, it's it's strange. The Vanderbilt thing is strange for me, which is why I think he might be moved. Because I just don't understand what we're doing with him right now. Yeah, I, I guess the only thing for me of why Wancho's playing is, although he's not super consistent, he still has the threat of you know shooting the outside shot or attacking the basket a little bit. Uh, Vanderbilt to me is more of a guy who needs like a pass and like a wide open pass just to dunk. So I guess uh, maybe maybe the reason they're playing Wancho a little more is just the offensive threat. And and like you said, um, Wancho, like you said, Chris, um, Wancho's been playing some pretty decent defense lately. Um, He's trying. He's yeah, definitely yeah. putting in the effort. Yeah, 
Yeah, I, I, I think while he was sitting on the bench for games, he was like, "Man, when I get out there, I'm, I'm going to, uh, I'm, I'm going to really exert and try to, try to make, try to try to make the most of the opportunities." So, yeah, mm-hmm. I, I like you said, I, the, the only if if we're going to make a, a big move at the trade deadline, I, the only way I see it happening is if we get rid of Rubio and we get um, Aaron Gordon. And like you said, that could easily happen in the offseason. Did you guys see uh, Aaron Gordon's like almost triple double game a couple, I forgot how long ago it was, like a couple days ago? 38 points, almost eight rebounds. Yeah. And- he went, I think he went seven or eight for three. Yeah, not bad for your third game back after missing a month. Um, but I mean, that's atypical of him. But I mean, it's right. definitely the kind of, I don't know. I mean, I can sing Aaron. I can sing his praises for a while. I really think he's in a bad system. I think that they're asking too much of him. I think if he is simple, simplified down, um, not not made to be a star, give him you know, 10 to 11 shots a game, let him just be an athlete, um, let him just get in passing lanes, create for other people, I think he could be a big asset. But We'll see. I mean, it's going to be – he's the only way that we can make it work financially. I still mm-hmm. cannot see a way that Collins can work. I mean, everybody yeah. is up in arms about it. But, I mean, the thing you have to think about is if we get a top three pick next year, that's a $10 million contract also. So w- right now we're already a little bit over the cap. Think of us as $5 million over the tax for next year. So not mm. only do we have to tr- trade out what what he's going to make. So let's say he makes $25 million. We need to move $25 million worth of salary and bring back no money. And we can't add any money so that means we can't add the 10 million dollar number one two or three pick that that can't be on our roster um it's just i just don't see how it could possibly work it's Mm -hmm. just unless unless we call his bluff and we can somehow matt you know think that he's not going to get a max and maybe he gets a you know 16 17 million dollar contract i mean if if that works out then maybe but i just don't see it i just don't think it's possible yeah, I don't. I don't think. And, and the other thing about John Collins is, if he's not, I mean, I know he's not super happy in being in Atlanta. He's made that very clear. But is, is it really like, is it is it really plausible for us to think? Yeah, he's going to take this huge discount to play next to Cat. Like, like, no. like. Yeah, no, I don't think so. Like, like you you were saying last last podcast, Chris, when we were talking about it, like, yeah, it would be favorable to play next to Cad. Who wouldn't want to play next to Cad? But, right. I mean, it's it's not like he's going to jeopardize his first big contract for in the NBA just, oh, because I want to play I want to play next to Cad. Like, it's just it's not going to happen. Yeah, that's why I don't think John Collins um, is an option. So what I wanted to bring up to you guys is in the, in the, in the spirit of – the NCAA ter- NCAA tournament, the March Madness is back. So what I so let, let's say the Timberwolves gets the number one overall. Let, let's just say everything works out. The Wolves finish terribly, but show some show show some um, resilience, and, and they end up with the number one overall pick. I who would you want the Wolves to take with the number one picks? Is it Suggs? Is it the guy from USC, I can't remember his, his name. Is it Cade Cunningham? And we'll start with you, Donover. If you're the Wolves in the situation, is it Cunningham or, or who would you want him to take with number one overall? Uh, selfishly, as a Minnesotan, I think Jalen Suggs would be really fun here. But as a basketball mind, I, I would have to go Cade Cunningham, just his versatility, especially offensively. Uh, it, with his height and his length, I, I think he would probably be the best move for us to go there, if not to keep him, to to uh, potentially trade him away at the end of at the end of the process. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, Chris, who who would you take number one overall? Well, I don't think. I mean, you were saying like how if we show some resilience and start playing better, um, 
I pointed this out a couple of podcasts ago and, and people have been talking about, you know, maybe we got to stop winning now because, you know, we're going to win our way out of it. And if we go, if we go 500 from here on out, you know, 15 and 15, there's 30 games left. We'll finish with about a 34% win percentage, which is like fourth right now, fourth to the bottom. So even then we would have, you know, a 36% chance at being in the top three, where top three pick, you've got a 40% chance. So, I mean, it's really not that much different. So I I think we're almost locked a decent shot at a top three. Um, My, although Houston's trying to, Houston's trying to lose every game. um, And I think they'll get the number one pick. I believe that the draft is a little bit skewed. The, the lottery and with Cade Cunningham being from Texas, I see uh, Houston getting that pick. Mm-hmm. Um, I would take Evan Mobley. And I know that's a super unpopular thing, but um, he's seven foot. He moves like a wing. Um, I think he can easily defend um, on the perimeter as a power forward. Um, mm-hmm. He's got that. Like he's got a decent stroke, he can he can score, but he's mainly I mean he can be that defensive rim protector stopper that we're really looking for next to Cat with offensive upside. Um, I'm one of the few people that just doesn't see it in Cade Cunningham. Um, I know he has flash games and maybe maybe he's so uber talented that he kind of floats and doesn't have to try hard a lot. Maybe that's what's happening. Mm-hmm. But he just lazily gallops up and down the court and slowly, like, gets, you know, trapped and, you know, passes it. Like, he has so many dud games where he just disappears for so much of the game um, that I just don't – I don't know, man. I don't like it. I see – I mean, it's trendy to say I see a lot of Wiggins in a guy, but I see a lot of, like, he does – he's not a killer. And I know he had that one 40-point game, but he followed it up with, like, a with like an 11-point game against yeah. the same team after where he did nothing. I watched that game, and he did almost nothing the entire game. Um, I don't know. Like, I, I just I just don't buy him. Um, and I've talked before. I'm not a huge Suggs guy. I don't think he has the athleticism to really – be a lead guard, an effective scoring lead guard. Um, and we're deep at that spot. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, I would say Mobley would be the best fit for me um, and with upside. But more than likely, uh, if we keep Rubio through the trade deadline, I think we package that pick, Rubio's contract, and every bad contract we have, and we try to get the best possible player we get. You know, like we'll put Wancho in there, we'll put Culver in there, and Rubio – and we'll put that pick in there, and we'll get you know a near max guy. Mm-hmm. That's what I bet we'll do. Okay. Well, um, for me, I don't know. It's hard to pass on Cade Cunningham, but I will say I was watching the Oklahoma State the their opening round game. He only had one point in the first half. Like he, he it, does it, that a lot. Yeah, he does. He does. Um, and. Yeah, and I I do see some Wiggins in Cade Cunningham. I definitely do. Jalen Suggs, um, what what I will say about Jalen Suggs of the games that I have watched of Gonzaga is he can shoot like that 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 guy can shoot like he absolutely he he's a guy who doesn't need like a a pass and a pick to score. He can absolutely just pull up and drain a three. So and I and I I know that's definitely appealing. For for the Timberwolves, but I, I will say, I mean, with Mobley, with uh, Mobley from USC, I mean, who needs if we get him? Who needs Aaron Gordon if he turns out like like no. you, you, you you get a guy a lot cheaper, um, yep. <laughs> right right there. And the other thing is, you can pay him because Mobley will probably fall to two or three, or, or maybe even maybe even farther. So yeah, yeah, I I. Maybe Mobley is the answer, but um, I, I would. I, I feel like the the entire fan base would lose it if if we didn't draft Cade Cunningham. Um, yeah. But, but, yeah. But but maybe it is the best move. So I I, I kind of want to move um, to uh, to just just kind kind of a fun question. I like kind of to do a random question every week. So what is that that you remember witnessing? It doesn't have to be live. But what was your favorite NBA moment of all time? 
and, and, and like like you, you, that you witnessed, that you watched, what was your favorite NBA moment? And I'll start with mine while you guys are thinking. Mine was, a, and I, I remember this vividly, LeBron James block and then Kyrie Irving's three in the NBA Finals because no one thought that the Warriors were, were going to be beat. Like, they, I mean, they just pulled, pulled off this unbelievable season they just pulled off this season that no one's ever had more wins. They they went down three to one, and then LeBron out of nowhere on this eagle dollar layup just blocks it, and then Kyrie makes this contested three. That 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 will go down as my favorite NBA moment, unless the Wolves win a championship, and that'll easily change. And we'll start with you, Donovan. What's your favorite NBA moment of all time that you remember watching? Um, I, I would I got two. I'd either have to go with. LeBron, ah, oh God, what what year was it? Whatever, whatever, whatever year he took out Detroit and he scored like the last thirty points in the fourth quarter and then to yep, overtime. Yep. That was one of the first times I distinctly remember just a guy just saying, "No, we're not losing this game," and just putting a team on his back and just taking it from them. Mm-hmm. And then, as a Timberwolves fan, I would have to say when they beat Denver, when Taj uh, stripped or blocked Jokic in the corner. Yeah, make the playoffs. That that's one I'll remember for a very long time. The one that finally ended the drought. Absolutely, yeah. I I was I was living in Fond du Lac at the time, and my neighbors hated me after that because I, I was I, I was screaming my head off as they were winning. Uh, but what what about you, Chris? Your your favorite NBA moment that you remember watching? So I remember um, I was in my but I was in a friend of mine, high school friend of mine's house, and. Uh, when Jordan did the the little push off uh, three at the corner at the end, I mean, I was so I'm a little older than you guys, so I was you know a senior in high school when that happened, and that was that was cool, you know, and may you know, and it was a big cool moment, and maybe it was uh, maybe it's partially you know because of the history of it going forward, but that was cool to me, and then um, another thing I remember. Um, I just remember, you know, and it's not even a moment. It's just that beginning sound from all of the games, like like if you play that song for me, it just brings me back to so many things, like where you see the highlights of like Larry Bird with the behind the back pass or whatever the little snippets were before it. Right. Uh, that is that is basketball to me. Like that song is just like the the anthem of all basketball to me. Have you have you ever seen the? Uh, it's kind of old. Like I think it's like 2013 or something. Have you seen the SNL skit where where they do like the where where the it's like the pitch meeting for that song, and there were supposed uh, to be lyrics in the song. I and, think so. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah I have seen it. Yeah, that that's honestly that's one, one of my favorite. That's one of my favorite SNL skits uh, of all time. So yeah, yeah, kind of kind of fun to get you know know you guys a little bit. The, the your favorite NBA moments. I know that's kind of universal. Everyone's got them. I mean, my favorite sports moment of all time, and we won't get into this, was the Minneapolis miracle. It just is yep. like <laughs> like it's it's hard to it's hard to top that. Um, but. Yeah, but uh, moving forward, we'll take a look at what the Timberwolves have coming up this week. Uh, let's take a look at their schedule. Uh, they got the whole weekend off, which I'm sure sure will be nice for them. Uh, sit back, watch the tournament a little bit. I'm sure they're watching all of the colleges they went to, except for Cad. He ain't rooting for Kentucky right now. But, Shocking. Um, yeah. <laughs> and, and uh, yeah, Josh Kogi's team is out, and, yeah, but – um, Jane McDaniel's team didn't make it, but anyway, I'm, I'm sure they're watching the tournament. Uh, so we got the Thunder um, on Monday, then we got the Mavericks, uh, and then Rockets, Rockets. Uh, so honestly, some winnable. I mean, as much as it, and you were talking about this, Chris, they can go 500 and still be in a good position for for the uh, for for a good pick. But some winnable games here, are, are they not, Chris? I mean, any game right now with us is winnable and losable. So, I mean, it's could That's go any way. Like, we're so reliant on on being hot. You know, like, we either need, you know, f- 
a 40-40 night out of two of our stars or we need our bench to drop 70 points or like we need we can't just play okay because we're not good enough right now but what's going to be interesting to see is i mean delo should be back this week it sounds like like he might like i could see him you know coming back like midweek or something like that so that'll be interesting to see how he uh works his way in yeah, absolutely. And Donovan, what are you looking for from the Timberwolves this week? I think they should they should be two and two at worst here. You should you should be able to beat the Thunder, and then you should at worst split with the Rockets. Mavericks is a winnable game, but you never know with Luca. I don't know if Chris Stops is playing right now or not, but the, he seems to always kill the Wolves. So mm-hmm. I, I would say two and two at worst. I can see three and one. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so actually one thing before we go that that um, we, we were going to talk about, I, it just kind of got put by the wayside. Um, when when D'Lo comes back, do you guys think that automatic you just put D'Lo in the starting lineup? Or with how good Rubio's playing, do you have D'Lo with, with the second unit to provide some offense with that with that second unit? What, what would you do, Chris, in your opinion? What would you do with bringing back D'Lo? I've been thinking about this and it's so hard. Like, um, so, the, you know, when I'm, when I'm watching the bench, our bench is good. Um, or they play well together. I think they're top three or four in scoring in the NBA. Um, but one thing that I've noticed about our bench is they play good and it might be just because of lack of practice time, but as a unit, like when it's the whole bench, they seem to operate well, like everyone knows their role. When there's a star mixed in there, I feel like nobody really knows who should be doing what. Like they kind of mm-hmm. defer, don't know who to defer to. Um, so I don't know. Like I, I think in theory, the best move would be to get all the talent that is going to be our future on the court as much as we can. So I mean, I would say mm-hmm. Rubio to the bench, um, and I just hope that doesn't you know, disrupt it because Rubio is also a prideful player and he doesn't like being on the bench. And he said that earlier in the year, he said, yeah, I'll be fine being the bench if we're winning. Well, we're not, we're not going to be winning a lot. So um, that'll be interesting to see how that dynamic works. But I think we have to put everybody back in Mm -hmm. that you, that you think would be the starter, including McDaniels. I think, um, I think Vanderbilt's last start was last game, and I think it's going to be McDaniels going forward. Mm-hmm. Donovan, what, what do you think? Do you agree that you put uh, D'Lo in the starting lineup or kind of phase him in with Rubio? What do you think? Uh, I think he – maybe not game one or two. Well, I guess we'll see how the knee reacts. I think they ramp D'Lo up a little bit. Rubio gets at least two, three more starts. But, uh, yeah, D'Lo has to be back in the starting lineup. Uh, I think if you – and I think Finch will stagger his minutes a little bit more, especially with the second unit, uh, so that Edwards and Beasley can get more shots running with that second unit just a little bit more because we know Beasley doesn't like coming out of the game. He made that very clear when Saunders was the coach. Right. That you can just run him to death. So I, I think you see a little bit stagger, and I think with a lineup of Rubio and – and Beasley with that second unit, and you add a Wancho and Nas in there, I think that team could really put some points on the board and help supplant. And then you take Beasley out and you put Noel in, which is Beasley light who can create a little bit. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. I, th- I think it'll be a fun second unit to watch. It's crazy to think, like, we are the worst team, st- you know, statistically in the NBA. Um, and it's crazy when you're going down this list of how much talent we have. Like as Wolves fans, it's like, well, when we bring back our two starters, man, who are we going to put on the bench? Like, how are you going to not play Noel? Or, and then even J-Mac comes back. Like he was playing good. Like there's people saying, well, he should start over Rubio. Um, it's just, it's crazy how much young talent we have. And yet we're so bad because we've missed so many of them. But mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's a fun time to be a Wolves fan, you know. And and one thing I want to say, like, as a Wolves fan, like, if you thought the hiring of Finch was a bad idea, like, that's okay. Like, if you thought like trading Rubio and you know, or trading 
getting Rubio and McDaniels for James Johnson in the 17th pick was a bad idea, that's fine too. Like if you thought Wiseman and Ball was a pick over Edwards, okay. Like it's okay to be wrong on these, you know? Like if you thought Edwards should just be shooting corner threes and playing D and not being a creator and not being a ball, like a ball dominant player, it's okay. Like you can be wrong on these and we can all like just love what's happening. Like there's mm -hmm. so much good going on, you know? And the crazy thing is to think that we have a possibility of adding a generational type player in a top three pick to this mm -hmm. team. Like there's not a better time to be a Wolves fan, at least for how I like to be a Wolves fan. Like I, if you're a Wolves fan this long, you either love watching a team develop or you love talking crap about your local team. Like those are the only two reasons why you're a Wolves fan, you know, and, oh, and you'll see, and you'll see those very dist or three. There's a third person who just loves the sport of basketball and just loves watching basketball. But you know, for me being a guy who loves watching the development, this team, if they massage it the right way, could be real good for the mm. next 10 years. I mean, real good. Like if if we get this top three pick and that top three pick becomes an all-star, which isn't out of the question for top three picks, and you add that to Anthony Edwards, who looks like to be an all-star, if D'Lo, who's still like 25 years old, gets back to playing near all-star level, and then you got Cat, who's a near all-star or all-star, and then you got Beasley, who can drop 20 off the bench efficiently as a shooter, like – McDaniels as a young, like what, what are we talking about here? Like we right. have so much, so much to look forward to. Like just love what we're having. Like I wish that Fox Sports North was on more TVs. Right. Yeah, that's a good point. Well, it's it's going to be Bally Sports North. I was going to say that Bally. Yeah. Yeah. Which, well, let's uh, hope they can get it at least the streaming figured out. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Because we, yeah, it's going to be a fun team to watch. That's why. That the and that's why I've been saying all year we just got to get through the season. We just got to get to next season where I don't know Beasley's time in the workhouse is done or whatever. <laughs> uh, <laughs> D'Angelo Russell is for um, yeah D'Angelo Russell is fully healthy. Another another off season of development for McDaniel's. We get that pick in here and everything's going to be gravy. Well, I think that's a good place to end it. Uh, thank you so much, Donover, for joining us this week. No problem. It was a great time. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. And Chris, as always, it was a blast. Yeah, man. Um, just keep pushing. Let's do this. I'm excited. Absolutely. And this has been another episode of the Everything's Coming Up Timberwolves podcast. Make sure to like, share, and subscribe on YouTube and follow so you never miss an episode on Spotify. This has been an Everything's Coming Up Timberwolves podcast. And as always, go Wolves.